Welcome to The Skin Reel, your guide to all things skincare, skin health, beauty, and more, curated by dermatologists and true skin experts. I'm your host, Dr. Mary Alice Mina. I'm a double board certified dermatologist and dermatologic surgeon with over a decade of clinical experience. If you're looking for real, practical, unhyped skincare guidance and expertise, or you just think the skin is really cool, then you're in the right spot. I'm so glad you've tuned in to The Skin Reel. Now let's dive in because this is how dermatologists talk skin. Hi everyone, quick disclaimer here before we start. This podcast is for educational purposes only and is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or other qualified medical professional. If you're looking for help on your skin journey, please check out the American Academy of Dermatology's website, aad.org, where you can search their database for dermatologists near you. It is so important that you have someone in your corner who's well-trained, licensed, and board-certified who can help you make decisions when it comes to your skin health. Okay, got it? Great. Now for the fun stuff. Hi, Skin Friend. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode of The Skin Reel. I'm really excited to take the podcast in a slightly different direction for today's episode. My guest today is Dr. Judith Forger. She is a mom of three, a wife, a busy physician, and business owner of Concierge Medical Arts in Fayetteville, North Carolina. She is also the host of the Aesthetic Doctor podcast, where she discusses all things aesthetics as well as wellness for her listeners. So on today's episode, we are going to talk about something that we see and talk about a lot as people and in our society, and that is this concept of self-image. And I find that it is really tied to our self-identity, the labels we put on ourselves to show the world. And sometimes these identities, this image, it's based in facts, but sometimes not so much. And as someone who does a lot of aesthetic procedures as a board-certified dermatologist, I find that when the self-image and how someone looks and feels on the outside are not in alignment, it can cause a lot of problems and a lot of frustration. And I find that people are constantly on the search for the next procedure, the next device, the next injectable, the next product that can make them feel better on the inside by looking better on the outside when actually it's the reverse that really is the most impactful. But before we get too deep into this, I want to bring on my guest, Dr. Borger. She is also a life coach. And so she has a lot of great insight into this topic. And it's going to give us some great advice on how we can align our self-worth, our self-image with how we look and feel on the outside, making sure that they are in alignment together and how we can fight the tendency to be really down on ourselves or have a poor image based on some of the societal pressures that are out there. You are definitely not going to want to miss this episode, and I am so excited to take a deep dive in with you today. 
Dr. Borger, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It's so great to have you. And I really loved getting to be a guest on your podcast, which I think was probably almost a year ago, which is hard to believe. So thank you for returning the favor and coming on this podcast. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I love what you're doing with your podcast. And I'm an avid listener. So it's always fun to be on on podcasts that you actually listen to. So thank you. Yes. Well, awesome. And we'll just put a little plug for your podcast on here, The Aesthetic Doctor, and we can link that in the show notes too. We both practice aesthetics, right? And we can do so much. We can help them feel better. We have a lot of toys and tools in our armamentarium, but sometimes it just seems like it's not enough, right? Do you ever have patients like that? Absolutely, which is why we're talking about what we're talking about today. Yes, so important. And I think we don't talk about this enough, but today I want to talk about self-image and what it is for one thing, right? And why it's so important and then what role maybe aesthetics plays in that. So does that sound like a good plan to you? That sounds amazing. Excited to have the conversation. Wonderful. How do you define self-image? Yeah, so I globally define self-image as essentially your self-concept in the world and all the things you believe to be true about yourself or not. So there's some really obvious ones, like for example, you're a dermatologist, you might be a mother, you might be a wife, but then there's also these more esoteric things. Do I feel like I'm a good friend? Do I feel like I mess up my relationship? Do I see myself as somebody who is able to overcome? Do I see myself as beautiful? Do I see myself as being an entrepreneur? You know, I do a lot of coaching, um, which is why we're kind of talking about a more coachy topic. And one of the things that I've really learned is that you can only create to the edge of your self-image. So if I don't believe that I can do something, I will invariably not be able to do it. And, you know, we see that a lot, I think, with transitions in life. Like, for example, if somebody becomes a parent or they become married and suddenly that part of themselves has to integrate itself into your self-image. Like, how do I integrate now being a mother and still being sexy with my spouse? Like, you know, and, and I see that with entrepreneurs, like, that first hire is always a really big sticky point because suddenly now I'm having to step into this different role where I'm employer to something and my self-image and my role in the world has to change. Of course, you know, when we talk about aesthetics, a lot of the self-image I have about myself is, you know, I feel young, I feel vibrant, I want my outer to reflect that. But you know what happens as we age and suddenly we're getting this messaging of, oh, you're a middle-aged mom now. Like, am I ready for that or not? You know, especially then as we see our bodies changing, as we see our lives changing, our self-image has to change to integrate and to be in alignment. So many wonderful things I want to unpack with all of that. And I agree with a lot of what you said. And I see self-image as sort of your identity, what you tell yourself, what you claim as yourself. And sometimes that may or may not be true, right? Sometimes our self-identity we claim is maybe negative or something that we don't really like about ourselves, but yet we carry it around like I'm not smart or I'm not attractive or whatever it is. And I know that back when I was younger, I actually was a, a ballet dancer before I went to medical school. 
school. And being a dancer was so ingrained in my self-identity. I didn't even know who I was without that title. And I really was lost for a while, having no clue who I was outside of that identity. And to lose that identity, I was lost. So it can be really, really powerful. And when, like you were talking about, you transition to a new stage, which we all transition, right? You go from single to married or married to children. You might change careers. How do you still have self-worth, self-value during those transitions? And I think that as women, especially, so much of our self-identity, our self-worth is tied to how we look, right? And as you age, And if you're lucky to age, right, you're going to start to see some changes that go against the grain of what mainstream society is telling us is beautiful or not beautiful. And that can be really difficult for people who maybe identify as attractive or thin or beautiful, start to see normal, natural changes. I do love some of the things that you just said, and I want to just key in on one of the things that is really important is that it is what you tell yourself. And a lot of times it's not really based on fact, right? I mean, of course, there's things that are facts in the world. But like you said, if we say you're not thin enough or you can't stick to an exercise plan or, you know, like a lot of women do have some very negative connotations about their body or a lot of perfectionism that's really unattainable, right? So sometimes that voice in our heads is not really a kind voice. It is made out of your most critical aunt and the mean girl in high school and the boyfriend that dumped you 10 years ago, right? Like it's their voices mashed together. And sometimes that internal voice is not kind. And those things that we believe ourselves aren't necessarily fact checked either. Sometimes they come from conditioning way long ago, from family trauma, from all sorts of experiences. And I love that you just brought up that fact that a lot of it is very like an internal continuous monologue. Absolutely. I've heard people say, would you talk to other people the way you talk to yourself? Think about some of the things you tell yourself. You probably don't even recognize it or realize it, but you're doing that. Those little jabs that you give yourself when something doesn't go right or perfect. It's it's so important. And yes, you're so true. So much of what we tell ourselves isn't even based in fact. It is not fact-checked at all. Would you say that feeling beautiful and being beautiful, are those the same things or are those two fundamentally different concepts? Yeah, so I think feeling beautiful and looking beautiful are two fundamentally different concepts. And again, I like to kind of make this concretely because feeling beautiful, again, has to do with your self-image. And I think When I kind of tell the story, it becomes very apparent. Like think about back like maybe when you met a romantic partner and you had a wonderful like night in the bedroom and you got out of bed and you were just feeling like a sexual goddess. And then you go to the bathroom and you look in the mirror and suddenly you're like, oh, my God, my hair is up here. And I have smudged mascara all over. And it's those internal thoughts suddenly that kind of destroyed the way 
you were feeling just a minute ago, or you put on this great dress and you're feeling amazing, and then you see a picture and you're like, oh my God, look at this roll over here, right? And it can poof in an instant. So I think feeling beautiful is the thoughts you have on yourself and also the alignment you have with your body because we inhabit our bodies and it is a thought of being aligned with who you are and all that you are. And I think the other thing is like what we've considered stylish and beautiful has changed with cultures with times, with ages. I mean, let's just think about fashion. When I look at some of my high school pictures, what I thought at the time was a really good outfit and a really good hairstyle, you know, today might not seem so. Like, right? But at the time, it made me feel the way I wanted to feel. And now it's a different sense of style. Or if we think about what models looked like in the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, throughout time, we know that what society has decided is looking beautiful changes versus women have always had the opportunity to feel beautiful from the inside out. And that's kind of why we can sometimes see those women that just have that magnetism and that carry themselves. And yes, sometimes it's falsely, but you're just like, they're not maybe what society right now would consider objectively beautiful, but you can just tell that they feel beautiful and they own their body and they love the way they move. Yet looking beautiful is really the feedback that we get from our brains when we see ourselves, right? So the looking beautiful is the way I judge myself in the mirror, the way society decides right now is beauty. It's And again, it's changed. I, I played mass, meaning I did carnival in Trinidad one year. And I'm a very athletic person. So I went to Trinidad and I put on the costume and I felt completely beautiful. And throughout this entire weekend, all everybody told me was like, you just skinny, you just skin and bones, you need to put some weight on. So it is just a really interesting narrative on how in the US or Europe, right? Somebody who's very fat, very athletic, generally seen as beautiful. And yet even just moving to the islands, everybody was like, girl, put some weight on you and you'll be so much more beautiful. So I think looking beautiful in summary is a lot like what we think when we see on the outside. And again, it's a lot of the when I look out and I look and I reflect it back at me, what am I telling myself currently is beautiful for me versus feeling beautiful. It's really an inside job of being in alignment with your body, in acceptance, in rhythm. And I think the big problem comes when the feeling beautiful and looking beautiful aren't aligned. So we're going to, I'm sure, talk about aesthetics later, but that's kind of also when it can go awry. So what do you think about the whole feeling versus looking beautiful yourself? I think you put it beautifully, and I totally agree that feeling beautiful, that's internal, that's inside, and no one can really take that away. That's, you're in control of that. And looking beautiful is sort of how the outside world sees you and then what you sort of in your mind take in. And, and certainly, I feel like feeling beautiful is so critical to looking beautiful or subjectively, right? Because we see these beautiful patients come in and they don't see, they don't feel beautiful on the inside. And they're hoping that my syringe or device or 
procedure is going to change how they feel on the inside. And sometimes I will just say no, and we're not going to treat because I know what I'm going to do is not going to change how they really feel about themselves. What I'm going to do is like putting a bandaid on a bigger problem. And yeah, so finding that self-worth feeling beautiful on the inside is so important because all the cosmetic procedures in the world can't give you that. That has to come from within. Absolutely. And I think that's also, you know, when we see like we look at these glamour Hollywood stars and then unfortunately there's a high incidence of substance use and depression and suicide and yet objectively, right? Everybody is like, oh, they're beautiful. Their life is amazing. But it's when it doesn't match up on the inside, when there's that misalignment, it does not matter what your life looks like on the outside if you don't feel that way on the inside. And I think really that's why really every Everybody wants to look beautiful, though, is because people think that if they were just to add one more syringe or they were just to do that more thing, then they're going to feel that way. But as you said, it doesn't work that way. What I do think, though, is what works is that if you've already done the inner work, and let's say I see myself as vibrant, essential, and then maybe I look in the mirror and Right now, in my mid-40s, the forehead wrinkles don't quite align with that vibrant and essential. Me treating my forehead just kind of reinforces the self-image that I have. So I do think that when you have done the inner work and the outer work kind of wants to align, that aesthetics can be very helpful. And of course, it's permission granted, right? Because you and I both do aesthetics and you and I know I probably would be fine without anything. However, I just love the way my forehead looks with some Botox. I just love the right amount of lip filler because I really enjoy lipstick. And that is permission granted. Like women have dyed their hair and worn makeup for the ages and ages and ages. Aesthetics and plastic surgery are really just another tool. Or let's say somebody has done a lot of weight loss and they now see that loose skin. If let's say they were to say, wow, this loose skin is that mark of how far I've gone, they would have never removed it. However, a lot of the patients say, oh, no, I have this loose skin. I still can't wear a bikini, but I'm so fit. Then them getting some body contouring surgery so that their outside body matches that fit inside that they've now embodied the athlete, the exerciser, then that is going to be completely effective for them. You hit the nail on the head with the alignment. That's critical. We're certainly not here to say all aesthetics are bad. Of course, we do them on patients. We do them on ourselves. And it's not all or nothing, right? I think sometimes people feel like they either have to be in the zero aesthetics or all in, and there's a ton of gray. But I love what you said that you have to have done the work. You have to have that feeling on the inside to begin with and have sort of realistic expectations. This procedure can help improve a concrete thing or problem that you see, but it's not going to fix everything. It's not going to truly turn back the clock, but it's going to help whatever little area you would like to see some improvement in. And when you already feel beautiful on the inside, then that's sort of the perfect marriage. Then 
that's when it works out well. That's when people are happy and they feel good about themselves. But what I see that's sad is when people are sort of constantly pursuing these aesthetic treatments to feel good on the inside. And they look beautiful on the outside, but they just can't get that feeling on the inside. And I feel for celebrities, people whose livelihoods depend on how they look, there's so much pressure for them not to age, for them to look perfect. They're not allowed to have any flaws. And I'd feel for those people because that's got to be hard to still feel good about yourself on the inside when you're constantly being picked apart by media, public, and things like that. And you're not allowed to age like everyone else is. So I think that can be tricky. There's so much pressure. And going back to self-image, I think one of the issues there is too that their self-image is so dependent on them being beautiful and getting all the attention and making all this money with their looks that it is a very hard transition when there's suddenly a younger, hotter, more flawless Starlet, you know, I think you and I are probably lucky in the sense that even though, of course, you know, in aesthetics, it helps if you're attractive. It's not like whether you or I look a certain way really determines the success of our practice because we're skillful for practitioners, we're listeners, we're, we have skills, all of these things. I completely agree with you that it will be very hard when you're self-image. And I mean, we can talk about Hollywood for a long time, but there's very few, of course, roles and Mods, I mean, I think it's starting now of how to like age gracefully. It's kind of like either you're like get to play the love interest or you got to play the mother-in-law. There's like not an in-between, but thank God, I think the narrative is changing a little. And this is why I love having role models like you. And people say that about my podcast too, is that I think that my 40s have been so much better than my 30s and my 20s. And I don't know exactly how old you are, but that idea that with a little bit of maturity and age, your life can really just get so much richer and so much more delicious and delightful. Yes, it's how you frame it, right? And if you put all your self-worth into looking beautiful, then you are going to be disappointed as you age and you see things change. And I agree, I wouldn't go back to my 20s or even my 30s. I feel like each decade holds something amazing, exciting, and wonderful. I loved my 20s. I loved my 30s. And I'm really enjoying my 40s so far. So we'll see. But I love that you mentioned that the societal norms are changing. And I do see that as well. We are seeing older women. We're seeing women allowed to not dye their hair and have gray hair. Like Andy McDowell is still considered beautiful, even though she stopped dyeing her hair. And people who are being upfront about procedures they've had done and, and not making everyone feel like, oh, I, I'm just not aging at all, but being forthright with the things that they're doing. But again, if you don't have it on the inside, it's going to be very hard to get it on the outside. Dr. Borger, as someone who does aesthetics, as we both do aesthetics, do we hold some responsibility for perhaps people having a poor self-image or self-worth because we are in essence saying that there is a need to look 
a certain way? Oh, that is such an interesting question. I love it. And I, and I would say no, because really we're not saying that there is a need for us to look a certain way, right? And I think that's also what I always tell my patients is like, I'm going to meet you wherever you're at and there's no pressure. I think in this day and age, technology has advanced a lot and women and I guess men to a certain extent also over the ages have always used all the tools at their disposal to look as was deemed beautiful at the time, right? I mean, we know all the Napoleonic wigs, the white powder. Women used to use eye drops to like dilate their eyes to give them a more like dowy kind of look. And by the way, I'm not a history buff. So if I get any of the details wrong, <laughs> excuse me. But you know, the point is like we've used makeup, we've used hair dye, we're using microblading. So I think aesthetics is just another tool in that toolbox. And you and I as physicians really want to do it responsibly and as a responsibility to the patient to really do no harm and stay within the realm of medicine. I think what is harmful is really when people essentially maybe more like celebrities like about it. And again, this might be an extreme statement, but I think if you clearly have had a lot of work done and have a very probably extensive beauty schedule, as all experts most likely would agree, and then you go, oh no, this is just me naturally, me and a little olive oil. I think then you're harming other women in the sense that they're going to feel bad about themselves being like, why don't I look like this with all the olive oil in the world, right? So I think in a way, having these conversations openly and taking the stigma away and really like you do on your podcast, educating people on the risks and benefits and on what's possible I think is what's going to empower us all to choose to age in whichever way we want. Because we all have a degree, like, I don't know that I'm ever going to get a facelift, right? But again, I don't have to decide now what I'm going to feel like doing at 65. Like you said, it's not an all or nothing. For some people, it might be a little Botox. For some people, it might be a little filler. You know, there's some people that skip all that, but would get a blepharoplasty. So in this day and age and going forward, we have a lot of options. And also the conversation on aging has changed, right? When my mother was my age, like she was middle-aged and I'm like, I'm not middle-aged. Like, I mean, maybe I am, but I don't feel that way, right? I feel young. I feel vibrant. I want to look that way. Exactly what it's like. It's that alignment, right? When you're inner view of yourself and your mirror, what you see in the mirror align, that is when you're truly going to be in balance and happy and beautiful. And I do say that same thing when people are like, what do I need? I go, you don't need anything. And it's okay to want. Like, that's the other thing, like permission granted. If you don't love your crow's feet, it's okay to look at, is there something I can do? And am I willing to take the risks and spend the money for the benefit that I'm getting? Like permission granted. How would you recommend to our listeners that they maintain a healthy self-image in today's world? Yes. And again, it's a topic we could delve into to all the depths. But I think the first thing that I always tell people when I coach them is really the fact that a lot of your thoughts create your feelings. So like we talked about, it's that inner dialogue, it's not the truth, it's not a like objective narrative of the world. So number one would just be to notice the thoughts that are getting going around in your head and maybe 
start seeing them as thoughts versus facts. So number one is really to just notice what's going on in your brain. You don't even have to do anything about it. But as you catch those thoughts, I'm having the thought that versus this is what's happening. And at the same time, I love people to have an embodied experience. So a lot of times I also just ask people to check in with where their body's at and how they're feeling just twice a day, really center yourself, feel your sits bones under you, and then really go, how am I feeling right now? Versus just sort of running that race in your head so that we're starting to kind of get that mind-body connection. And we're also making friends with our bodies and our thoughts in an objective way and distancing ourselves a little bit from that mind drama. That's so important. Again, it starts from within and those thoughts that you have that you may not even recognize those negative thoughts that are coming in that you see as facts and just recognizing those and understanding where they're coming from and that they're not necessarily real. That's great advice. And especially for, I know you have kids and I have small kids too, growing up in this day and age of social media, filters, everything you do is out there for the world to see and it doesn't really disappear. What advice would you have to maybe younger people coming up in this world or for your own children on how to maintain a healthy self-image when it sometimes feels like we're just being bombarded by stuff telling us what's wrong with us, what we need to fix, and when we have that comparison with others. And of course, you're always going to feel bad about yourself when you're being compared to a perfect filter or what's not really reality. I think number one is really that is even when people show us before and afters, right? Sometimes we just got to be like, you know, this isn't like real. This is like a filter and a professional makeup artist and body contouring and this and that, right? But again, I think with our children, I just really try to have my children grow up with a very healthy self-image that doesn't just simply rely on your looks. And that's another thing when we're trying about actionable tips. A lot of us don't really like still believe in affirmations, but there's actually been studies that say that affirmations work. You know, the I am beautiful, I am strong, I am smart, I'm all of those things. So, so that's one of the things I try to tell my children is to give them a really strong sense of self. It is so hard to be a parent or a child child in today's day and age. Again, I think this is a topic that could go on forever and ever. And with my children, I have a 19-year-old and then smaller children. And I think a lot of the conversations were just about the fact that social media is not real, that sometimes we really just have to unplug and be present and live our real lives. Then again, to instill as much of a sense of self-worth and self-image on them that focuses on all the wonderful things that are them versus just how you look. I mean, I want to put that question right back to you because I think it's a fascinating question. What do you think? It's challenging. I've got an eight and a nine-year-old 
And it's hard and each year it gets harder. I actually was just going to, uh, last night was thinking of four to six daily affirmations that I'm going to put in my bathroom just to remind myself of things that I want to work on or improve or things that I think I'm doing well. I'm doing this with my husband and I thought we should get our kids to do this. And so we're going to have them write out four affirmations, stick them to their mirrors and just start encouraging them to have these positive thoughts now because we'll deal with it when they're 13 or 15 or 17. I feel like sometimes that's too late that you really got to start doing it now and also trying not to value them based on their appearance. So I think as with little girls, we'll tell them like, you're so beautiful, you're so pretty, or look at your beautiful hair, trying to say things like, you're so smart, you work so hard, you are very athletic, or trying to give compliments that don't revolve around how someone looks or their appearance, I think is one thing I'm consciously trying to do. But again, it seems like it's so ingrained, especially with little girls. Yeah, absolutely. Or something like, you were such a good friend today. You are such a good helper. Thank you so much. But you're right. It is one of those things. And the other thing I want to say is that when we talk about self-image in children, right? Children learn not only what we say, but what they see. So a lot of times in patients, I also see that when we're not being kind to our bodies or we complain about ourselves being, you know, we see a lot of people that have their mother's body image issues, right? And so I think as you brought the idea of children, I think that is one of the things also that I think I'm trying to be really conscious of is to not be critical of my looks and my body in front of my child. Absolutely. But to sort of you know, celebrate the fact that I'm doing Pilates and I'm getting flexible versus sort of being like the like, oh, I, you know, a lot of us do have some negative self-talk. And I think especially our daughters take their cues from us. So I think one of the best things you can do for your children also is to work on your internal so that those issues you have about food and eating and body image and external appearance don't sort of silently get trickled down because they've never seen a woman celebrate her strength versus like that she's not small. So I wanted to add that in terms of children and self-image that I think it does very much trickle down and that the messaging about women and how we feel about ourselves definitely sort of subconsciously trickles to our children. So I think one of the other best things that everybody can really do is to be healthy themselves so that we don't pass that generational trauma to our children. I'm trying to teach my kids uh, just to be healthy so they see that mom and dad work out, mom and dad go to the gym, mom and dad make sure to eat fresh fruit and vegetables and, and cook together and eat together. And just trying to model those healthy behaviors. But you are so right that if you had a mom who was always critical about her body, her appearance, you internalize that and you probably have some of those thoughts as well. And yes, this is a constant work in progress, right? And I feel like that two years from now, when we see new jowls, it'll be even more of a work in progress, <laughs> you know? So it's constantly work in progress. And I think that's also what happens as we age, right? We're trying to step into these new identities and, and figure out how our self-image is going to evolve like what am I 
proud of now as a woman, as a mom, as an entrepreneur, as a coach in my 40s is very different maybe than what I was proud of and defined myself by in my 30s and 20s. So hopefully as we continue to age and we continue to not really just age but evolve and grow, that is going to evolve and grow with us. We're taking on new identities every every year, every decade, every season in our life. And to really find the positive, the wonderful within that instead of focusing on the negative or things that have changed. So just how we look at aging, I do see that evolving in a positive way. And I'm excited about that. And it makes me excited about aging myself because I think, wow, we don't have to always just see it as negative and I'm going to be put out to pasture and, and, and that's it. So, well, Dr. Borger, this has been a lot of fun. I feel like we could talk for hours about this because it's so important. And it's something that really man, woman, aesthetic doctor or not, we see it, we deal with just by being human. And I love that we were able to have this really candid conversation together. Thank you so much again for having me. It was a blast. I love talking about this stuff. And, and you're right. I think especially as we talk about all the things, aesthetics, it is so important to have these conversations as well. Absolutely. Well, Dr. Borger, where can our listeners find you, follow your podcast and reach out to you if they want to get more information about things that you're up to either in your practice or your coaching? Yeah, thank you for that question. So as we mentioned, my podcast is called The Aesthetic Doctor and it is on all major platforms. And there is a wonderful episode with Dr. Mina here. So definitely check out that episode. My website where you can really link to all the things that I'm doing versus it links to my practice, it links to my coaching, it links to all the things is www.theaestheticdoctor.com. And then I'm also very active on Instagram. So if people want to find or follow me there, it's at Dr. Borger and doctor is spelled out and then B-O-R-G-E-R and I'm available. So if anybody has any questions, comments, like we love all the feedback and I just love this opportunity to be able to have these empowering conversations. So thank you again. Yeah, it's so important. And I will definitely add all of that info in the show notes so people can refer to that for sure. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Borger, and we'll see everyone next week. Thank you so much for listening to The Skin Reel. I hope it's been informative, educational, and perhaps a little entertaining. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to like and subscribe and share with a friend. Don't want to stop your learning just yet? Head on over to theskinreel.com for show notes, blog posts, and so much more. Until next time, skin friends.